Hello and welcome to the Learning How to Love podcast. I'm Penny and this podcast is dedicated to love. But not just relationships, romance or the type of love that we feel because love is a verb. It's something that we do. And I hope that through these weekly stories of heartache, healing and courage, you feel inspired and empowered to express and embrace love in its many forms every day of your life. I have an amazing guest on the podcast today. It's Rochelle Robertson, who is the founder of a beautiful community called Healing Isn't Linear, which she started last year after the pandemic. This community brings women together who are passionate about healing and wellness. And what she does is she imparts the power of community into their lives and their personal healing journeys too. When I think of learning how to love, Rochelle is one of the first people I think of. As a survivor of childhood abuse and a near-death experience when she was just 18 years old, Rochelle knows all too well how important it is to address trauma and to do everything we can to love ourselves back to life after we've been through some horrific things. She's going to share some of that in this episode today. We talk about her childhood, being part of a cult, her non-negotiables when it comes to dating and relationships, her boldness in putting herself back out there on dating apps recently, and also her breast reduction journey and learning to love on herself physically too. This is a conversation that is bound to inspire you. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you feel uplifted. Hello, my darling. Hello, my lovely. How are you? I'm good. All the better for having you here. I absolutely love speaking to you, though, Penny, all the time. I mean, the listeners won't know, but we've been talking about you for about 45 minutes before. We exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Me too. I. That's why I wanted you. I wanted to have you on this podcast because every conversation I've had with you, I always feel so much better than I thought. Like we say things that I can't believe we say. We have things in common. I'm shocked anyone else understands. And that stayed on my mind. Um, So when I was going through my notes, um, when I was starting my podcast, Mm -hmm. you were up there as my my first few guests. So... I'm so, so happy that this is only episode five of the Learning How to Love podcast. Important to note, because there will be 500 one day. Um, And I've got you here, Rochelle. So let's just get straight into you telling everyone who you are. And tell us a little bit as well about Healing is Linear. Healing isn't linear. Isn't linear. How have I just said that? I know it isn't. I know you know that. I know it isn't. Healing is linear. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, right. I can see that you were trying to not get it wrong as well. <laughs> it's all you right. Know? It's all right. So yeah, I'm Rochelle, um, Rochelle Robertson, full government. <laughs> um, it's really, it's one, I'm one of those people that do struggle to kind of like get into the nitty-gritty there's so much about me right I'm from Birmingham I've lived in London for the last 10 years 
I class myself as a creative as much as I've kind of grappled with that over the years because I'm not the person on the stage I'm not anymore anyway who's singing dancing or like producing music or like actually making art and I think it's when you're when you're not that person or you're not writing or whatever it is it's difficult to kind of claim that title because there are so many phenomenal artists and creators out there right um, but I cast myself as a creative because I definitely hold a space within that community and I've just learned that my part to play is a little bit different which I suppose will help me kind of get into the detail about what healing isn't linear is I have to say also I haven't prepared any answers for uh, you sent the questions over I read them I was like I know I could answer that. I haven't prepared the answer. So a lot of this is going to be off the dome and I'm probably going to connect a lot of dots to myself as I'm talking to you. Yeah, so I've lived in London for 10 years. I have spent the majority of my career as a youth worker. So I've worked with young people since I was about 17. Um, Graduated from university with a youth work degree and then spent the entirety of my adult life working in either community centres, colleges, schools, just, you know, looked after young people's homes, like anywhere where there's young people, like I found myself there at some point in my life um, working on a project or something like that. So more recently, I have moved over to working with adults. And I always say adults because it's like, they're different, but they're not. (laughs) It's like exactly the same. I'm like, two years in and I'm thinking it actually could just be school like seriously like we don't actually ever change the way how I approach my work today is obviously based off the years of experience I have working with young people with varying issues um and I just think I'm just as a kind of maybe like the first gem it's kind of like nothing that you ever experience is should be thrown away because if you've got a kid kicking off because they're about to have a fight with another girl in the playground and they're, they're having a panic attack. It's 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 so similar to, let me just try and think of an example of someone having a panic attack at work because they think that their manager is micromanaging them and they're not really sure about how to communicate. Like the two things are very similar. Like the, the person's still in fight or flight in your space and you still need to get them out of it. Do you know what I mean? One's probably 35 and the other one's 16, but it's the same they're still feeling attacked so yeah like I think um a lot of people struggle with career transitions at times because they feel like they don't have something to kind of bring to their new space what you absolutely do and I I think just to be more clear like my new job and the in the last two years working with adults I've worked um as a diversity and inclusion manager and um also a people and culture manager for those who don't know what that is it's basically adjacent to HR but it's more people strategy organizational development that type of thing so so yeah that's it I think that's a bit of an intro love that love that you're also a singer so I'm just gonna out you now yeah I think it it does that was uh before but when you have a gift of singing whether you're on a stage or not you're a singer yeah I mean like (laughs) just to kind of like point there I think when I first started youth work at 17 my first entry point was running a dance company and it was because me and my friends were dancing we were performing and we enjoyed it and then I got the opportunity to teach some young people over the summer holidays um and those young people maybe it was about like 15 they would come every day every day for the six weeks we'd learn a routine and at the very end of the um, program we performed at carnival in Birmingham 
It's I didn't even know Birmingham had a carnival. We we used to. I don't think we do anymore. There's lots of gang violence and drama, passa passa, as they say. Um, yeah. So we don't anymore. But yeah, Car- Birmingham carnival used to be lit, like for real. It was a real big moment. I used to go every year. We did really well, and then from that day, we decided that we were going to keep the young people from the summer school in the group. So we went from a group of three to a group of like twenty overnight. Um, and that's kind of what started my youth work career and also my like leadership career at the same time, like overnight. Wow. Um, and so when you talk about singing, I my first entry point into like being on stage and curating performances and understanding how that whole works was dance and then it was singing the only reason I brought it up like that is because when you were describing yourself as not um a creative in that sense I just wanted to add oh yes you are yeah (laughs) and this is the thing this is the thing I think what I've realized over the past um 15 years my math is always terrible 20 let's say 20 20 years makes more sense 15 to 35 yeah um being a dance leader taking these young people through their creativity as as artists and dancers and then being a singer myself and managing that whole process like what's what kind of songs do I want to sing like what does writing like what is the sound like in terms of genre like what's going on there like um, with the bands like I was in like we we really thought about like our image when it came to like our photographs and all of that kind of stuff like you can't not I cannot call myself a creative because if I had to <laughs> tomorrow if I gave birth to a kid that was a superstar I would manage I would know how to manage them all the way to the top no Christiana because we're not doing it in that way but you know <laughs> what I mean? and yeah. I think what's what's really um what and where we get to when it comes to healing isn't linear my new baby is my place in those creative communities as much as it was a part of my life where I thought I was the person I was the Beyonce in the sense of I'm the person dancing or singing or whatever I realized that wasn't my position and there was a moment where I just was very clear about it wasn't about me being on stage and I didn't want it and my spirit didn't need it and actually I was of better service to all of the other people in that space because I think and I I believe that when you are a creative person when you are talented and you are gifted and you are supposed to share your gifts with the world it doesn't mean that you're confident in being able to do that it doesn't mean that you just get up and do it there's a lot of things that we know healing isn't linear and growth and like all of those things that stuff that hold us back from actually sharing our stuff with the world right and a lot of that stuff is just like what they call shadow work and just like sitting with yourself and getting into the depths of why you're not doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing and I was always the person who just naturally had those conversations with people and over time they would trust me to share things with myself and I have a I have a very um spiritual understanding of gifts and how they need to be shared I say this as someone who needs to be dragged about my own very often Mm. but I can see other people's gifts and I know that that has been bestowed on you to share with the world and there's some stuff that you need to deal with in this earth space in your in your humanness to help you get from place a to place b and had Mm. I not been a creative in the traditional sense myself I wouldn't be able to be a creative in the way that I am now when it comes to guiding people or the guiding 
not guiding and um, creating spaces for people to explore themselves and their own healing journey and that kind of leads on to talking about what healing isn't linear actually is I am very tempted to re-record that beginning where I say healing is linear like how can I get it wrong at the beginning but anyway I won't <laughs> but tell us about it <laughs> tell us about yeah, it so healing isn't linear is born out of years and years and years of soul searching I have had a very tumultuous like upbringing childhood I felt alone a lot of the time I know I'm not the only person I'm old enough now and I've read enough and listened enough to know that there's a lot of people out there who feel like I felt and one of the things that kept me afloat alive was my relationships with people friends right I've always had great friends like I've not been the person that struggled in friendship and I'm grateful for that. I can't say that for family. Family has not been my blessing, (laughs) but friendship absolutely has been, right? I wasn't well-read or mature or healed enough to understand the impact of community when I was in it when I was 17. At 35, I'm like, hold on. If it wasn't for my good up friend, (laughs) the good one, (laughs) yeah, and... Also, the people who I just, na- I gravitated to, I used to have this thing where I would gravitate to older Jamaican women because me and mum, I don't have a relationship with my mum, right? And I had so many women in their 50s in Birmingham that were basically like my mum, but they didn't know. And they all loved me, I right? I love that. But now I know I was looking- I want to be that to people. I want to be that to people. <laughs> I'm I would- I probably I will be the person I will be the person who my kids friend is going through something they get kicked out of the house they just move in just move in so I you can just yeah I'm gonna be that (laughs) (laughs) don't worry about it you you can be in the family it's fine like I'll be that person but um yeah so I think now I'm older I understand what what I was looking for like being mothered but I also was creating a foundation of community that would I knew I could go to people for different things at different points for things that I needed and I had Mm. so many different types of people around me and I've always been that person I've always always had incredible people around me that I have chosen because they're incredible and I knew that I didn't have that in family and I just have these literally like global when I say global like people all over the world that like I've built these connections with so Mm. I understand the impact of community so healing isn't linear um is born out of the now knowing and understanding that a lot of people don't have that and they don't feel like they can ask people for help and they don't feel Mm. like they can share what's going on with them because shame guilt all of the things because of the, the world that we're raised in is not is a very individual individualistic world like we're not raised in a world that is based on relationships and community and and all of that we're raised especially in the western societies that the majority of us living is very much so i i i and not we 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 right so i, I don't blame anybody for having a skepticism about building relationships but I, for those people who are open and their heart is open to receiving something, I want to create, a, I wanted to create a space where we could come and have those conversations. So healing mm. isn't linear. What I've written down on my deck as I've been trying to get this out of my brain is a space for women who are passionate about healing and community mm. and want to kind of develop 
um, meaningful relationships. And so we've we've thrown one dinner um, and it was incredible. It was magical in that space. I was in that space, skinny. I was smiling so hard. Were you about to say skin and tea? I was going to say skin and tea. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> what is she actually saying but uh, <laughs> smiling so like, hard. I was in that place sk- <laughs> smiling <laughs> sk- smiling let me just edit myself a little bit yes yeah, I smiling. knew what was coming <laughs> <laughs> smiling so hard because I was just like this is literally it people were sharing things people were talking about motherhood and and how they feel about being mothers as um single parents or people that want to raise their kids differently to how they were raised and it was just beautiful so that's Mm -hmm. the goal the goal is to create a um, community of women who want to access meaningful relationships and I don't believe that healing should be expensive right we will have donation only like masterclasses and community sessions and workshops um, and events and in real life events that people can come to so there isn't that kind of like um fear of not being able to access something because financially you're not in the right place to do it I'm incredibly sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my life in a way that I haven't been amazing and just for someone who could be listening to this and thinking oh I'd love to be in a community like that but the healing side Mm. is like foreign to them um, not, and it could be because they haven't been through anything that they feel yeah. they need to be healed from, but they love the idea of, you know, the conversations about motherhood and whatever else. Um, or also, I've kind of deviated from my own question there, yeah. but also people that know that they've been through stuff resonate with needing someone, resonate with not having family and community. How would someone know that they need healing? The way how I knew um for myself that I needed healing in general was the quiet moments with yourself I think Mm -hmm. I I think if you have a level of transparency with yourself and I know that some people don't right and I think for the people that don't are not transparent with themselves and think they're fine and there really isn't anything for them that's kind of coming up not speaking to those people but for the people that that when they sit with themselves when they're with a group of people they're one way and when they're with themselves they're a different way I can give you an example so um I moved out of my mom's house when I was 16 and um I had my own flat in Birmingham and I was young right so and this is channel you days this is <laughs> I got a free yard man remember that tree the free yard uh, tree <laughs> yeah I would have parties. I said that the- to someone recently, you know. I was <laughs> like, I think I might have said it to like one of my stepkids. Yeah, we're going away, free yard. <laughs> and they were looking at me like, what, what is a free yard? What is a free yard? What? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the way how Jamaica has really just influenced our language in the UK, like, yard to us is so, it, we just know what a yard is. Here, like, it's like the back garden. Yeah, yeah. They just don't get it. It's like, your yard is your yard. What? <laughs> I'll sweep the yard when you're gone, even though you haven't got one. Cool. <laughs> I had the free yard and no adults were there because I was the I was the person in that house. And so I would have house parties and I would also just have like day gatherings. Like people were in my house all the time, like all of the time. And it got to a point where obviously I'm the host hosting person. Like I'm, you know, making sure everyone's okay. We're watching tv we're doing whatever we're doing but I always have like moments where I would just get like 
so sad but I would be in a room full of people living my best life right happy about the fact that with people and feel like I'm gonna burst into tears and I would there would nothing had happened in the space for me to want to cry so I would take myself out of the room because it was weird and I was freaked out myself like what the hell is going on and I would just sit in my room the door closed and no one knew because they're all laughing and catching jokes and no one's clocked they probably thought I was in the toilet or something bawling like crying and I would just have to allow it to happen and pass so I could and because it, it was weird to me like I, I was just sitting there like crying right and then once it was gone and I didn't feel like I was gonna cry anymore I'd go back in the living room and just carry on like nothing had happened right so that's what I'm talking about if you have moments by yourself where you know that your behavior in isolation is strange to you and you don't have any um wording for it Mm. maybe that's an indication that there's something to heal now like I can't say at that moment when I was a teenager I was thinking gosh I need to heal I was just thinking Mm. what's going on like this is weird there's another example of that happening is um when I was same age I would go to like yoga classes every now and then like I've never been a person who goes every week but I would always try and at the very end of yoga they get you to just lie on the floor and just breathe and whatever else and it happened consecutively every single time I went in that moment I would just start bawling like crazy crazy tears hot tears Mm. all down my face I thought I was a weirdo that was that was all I had in terms of an explanation I didn't know anything um Mm. And also, I'm one of those people who um, doesn't want to cause a scene. So I would never run out of the chat. Yeah. I would just stay there. Yeah. It <laughs> sounds as well like not analysing you because it's not the time. <laughs> but it sounds like when you had, like when you had your friends around and you were experiencing all of the kind of like companionship and yeah. stuff, it, it's like the there's different there's different things that came to my mind but it's almost like the love that you were surrounded with if they were loving people if they weren't it you know there's also the just having loads of company and realizing that you actually really feel lonely aside from this and that can be it but but with but like the the overwhelm of the good can often bring up all the bad and the sad like feeling so much love and then remembering how much you haven't had at times when you needed it you know, that that is a, has, has been a massive trigger for me when I've not understood like why good experiences make me feel devastated. And yeah. it's not like I'm thinking about the past, but they they cause like a sad. It, it's like the, it, it's given this the the you're, you're giving yourself the space to feel it for it mm-hmm. to come up where you've yeah. suppressed it before because you're so free and open. Same yeah. with the breath work and just relaxing and yeah. being present in yoga. It's yeah. like once you relax and you stop tens- tensing up, your fight or flight mode switches off and you're in your body, it all comes up. And that's exactly what had happened. And this is the thing. So this is what I was about to say. So there was one yoga class that I did and it was in um, Fitness First. It was in a gym in Birmingham. And I lay there to the very end. And as I got up, when the lights came on, the teacher saw that I was crying. And I, mm. like I said, I'm such a 
uh, a people pleaser and I have been I, I wouldn't say I'm so much now I wouldn't do this now but I felt one I didn't feel like I could leave because I was it was I can't leave it's Savasana you've got to lie down and the second of all I felt like I had to say thank you because that's what you do at the end of the class right so even though my face is dripping I'm like thank you so much for the class and she's like can you just stay for a second and she's like are you okay and I was like yeah I don't know why I'm crying it always happens when I have yoga she goes sometimes like what you just said she said to me when you are relaxed to a certain point things that haven't been able to come up can come up for you and Mm. that was the first that was the first time that I knew that I had been suppressing Mm. a lot yeah it's also a great indication that it holds in your body and I didn't, all of this stuff is new, is now yeah. I know, but at the time I didn't know. And that day um, was the first day that I told my friend about like my childhood in the madness. Like it was just quick. Cause I, mm. I, true Rochelle fashion, I was, we, I used to manage a comedy show. I'm one of those people that's had every job that you can imagine. <laughs> so I used to manage, we used to stage manage me and my friend, this um really big comedy show in Birmingham and I was going to her house to just like prep for it after the gym and I drove to her house and I was you know getting into work mode in my mind and I got into her house and I just felt like I was going to cry again and at that moment I was like okay I have to say something because the person before me told me that like I've been holding this stuff in and I can't just keep crying there will be people who won't have tears but they will have other things that indicate to them that something's not quite right in the way how they respond to things maybe they have anger issues and it doesn't make sense or something like that. I think there are in, I think your body tells you and your mind tells you that you need to address something. And I think the courage in starting to be healed is to acknowledge that you need to do something about it. Mm. Yeah. You do, you've kind of touched on it a bit um, about telling your friend some of the, the madness that you went through as a child and you know this this is obviously played a massive part in your whole journey yeah Um, you know for a lot of us when we've experienced childhood abuse or childhood trauma it is at the root especially if we didn't have the support around us yeah you know it can still affect us if we do have support um but it in a totally different way so can you obviously share as much as you're comfortable with but talk to us a little bit about what you have overcome and and are, are still recovering from you know yeah I like the word overcome by the way <laughs> um instead of people say what you've gone through because I think yeah. that's just like oh and yeah because then you feel like when you're telling when you I find when you say that and you tell a story like when I did my solo episode the other day talking about what I'd gone through man I went through it again yeah it's it's a different energy like over- I walked I literally walked through it again yeah but it's what you've <laughs> overcome yeah. yeah thank you Penny I feel like I'm going to use that word now moving forward um so yeah so where do you start so when I was so I was a victim of child sexual abuse um from like the ages I want to say like year seven to year 11 so like what's that 11 to like 16 um and it's 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 obviously horrible for everyone who experiences it I think for me my situation and what why I struggle today with religion is because it was done under religion it was done in in a religious kind of like cult essentially um and 
The one minute, like someone at church, or yeah. So it was a situation where um, my mom is Christian, has always been Christian, and has always been the you know the fringe of Christianity, like the very like um. I want to say, you know, there are people that that can hear God's voice, and I don't dispute that. And there are people who receive messages from other people. Like, if you, I, I don't read in the sense of like, pastor, this person says that God says that I should do this thing, and you don't feel like it's right in your body, but you do the thing because this person has a higher connection with God in your and, mind. <laughs> Mm. your mind and so that person then gets to do that my mom's that person I'm I have never questioned God a day in my life but when it comes to religion I can't say it triggers me anymore because I feel like I've moved past the trigger with religion but I'm but I don't feel like it's something that mentally I could be a part of because of what I've seen like an experience actually experience so so yeah this so the person who um abused me was the leader of this like cult church thing that he set up himself and like self-elected leader which is always be concerned about people that put themselves at the top and tell you that Mm -hmm. that like who said that you are the guy or the or the woman with this connection to God like who who can um corroborate this there's a word that that's not the word I was looking for but who can say that who can verify that's the word who's vouching yeah Who's vouching for you? Who can say that you are this person? Anyways, so he was able to um, get into my family, get into my mum's head and essentially get to me and and abuse me for a very long time. And so it's very difficult when you are, one, a young person because children are like, it breaks my heart when I think about it, but children believe that their adults are caretakers they have no idea. And if you're the adult who is your caretaker is um, an unsafe person, the child doesn't know that they're an unsafe person. The child just mm. sees them as their caretaker. Like, that's it, right? Yeah. And it's a beautiful childlike innocence, but you have a responsibility as a caretaker to be a caretaker. Like, that's how I see it. And I know people have stuff, but, you know, that wasn't my mom's situation. So I didn't know what I was experiencing was wrong because it was something that was happening as far as I was aware in broad daylight right and all of the adults the caretakers didn't seem to have an issue so the 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 layers of trauma for me are the fact that you're not being cared for by your parents um the religion that you've grown up in has been used to manipulate and so now if you say something it's not just that you're you're essentially going to hell like you're going against the person who has the closest connection with God and they would make you feel like you're going to burn in hell if you said anything right so it was like it's like layers of manipulation that I can't I struggle to articulate even like so for me kind of coming out of that and I got to 16, left, like I said, left my mum's house. Um, did you have an awareness, sorry, did you have an an awareness that your mum knew? Yeah, I feel like it was one of those things where, how can she not know? We don't live in a mansion, do you know what I mean? There's no way you can't know. We live in a very small house and this man is doing that, like, there's no way. For five years, there's no way. Mm. and I have spoken to her since and she's admitted that she knows so there's there was that right yeah but it's hard because 
maybe you gaslight yourself right if your mum knows something that's going on and nothing is happening then maybe I'm the person who's overthinking this you know what I mean like you start that like there's like that kind of um yeah the gaslighting of yourself that takes place as well it's kind of like yeah are not if something isn't being um challenged by the adults in your space or caretakers then maybe there's nothing wrong with this maybe this is my life right so yeah I would just say my kind of like (laughs) trajectory and life afterwards has been a lot of unpacking when I left that house when I was 16 um I had a couple of years of just like I said all of the stuff crying randomly in the middle of the, the you know a house party and all of that kind of stuff and then I um I went to Jamaica when I was 18 and the contract, I got this viral infection, um, which basically shut my brain down and it's called encephalitis. And I ended up in a coma for a week. Um, I didn't know this about you. I hate when my friends say this. I'm like, I haven't told you. (laughs) There's just so much to tell people all the time. But yeah, like what happened was, so my actual dad, who I didn't, was not raised with, who I like, he just wasn't in my life. He had reached out to me and he said, I'd love to get to know you. Would you like to come to Jamaica? And obviously he doesn't know anything about what I've just experienced. I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, cool. I would love to. This is a new start. It's a fresh start. I get to meet someone new, a new person in my family. Let me go. And I went to Jamaica with him. A week one was fine. I remember like, I remember just being like, wow, this is great. I love it here. And then I remember getting a headache and the headache just kept, kept on getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and then I started fainting and then I lost my appetite and it just got progressively worse. And I went to, and this is another thing, I went to the, he took me to the doctors in Jamaica and the doctor um, took blood tests, did what he needed to do, whatever. And he came back to me and he sat me down and he said, I think you have meningitis because they didn't know what it was. That was like a misdiagnosis. It was close, but it wasn't exactly right. Yeah. And this is how I know in hindsight that I was in the depths of depression, like the deepest of deepest of deepest. I also was a teenager. So because this time I'm like 18, 19. Yeah. I said to him, what does that mean? I'm going to die then. <laughs> like, that was my response and I remember he looked at me like he was shocked that I had said that but what he didn't know is what I've just lived through was very much so like okay if this is it and let's just I couldn't I literally was like done done because it's like what else can you tell me like I've just experienced I've just come out of the maddest five years of my life I li- I didn't have anything to kind of like live for you know did you also sorry just going back a bit but did you also get out of that situation by just moving out yeah <laughs> yeah so then you were 16 you just moved out was gone away and now you're 18 experiencing some type of freedom a bit ish yeah and then you hear this yeah I was angry because I've just had this mad childhood angry because I suppose I'm also just a teenager and I'm being told that I've got meningitis and I have I've got nothing to fight for I'm really done like I'm actually done for real for real anyways um I also remember there was a time, and it could have been around this time, where 2006. meningitis was the like scariest thing ever. Like yeah. anytime anyone had a red mark on them, they were putting a glass on them to check if they had meningitis. Like yeah. it was the thing. You're right. 
And I remember that. And that was this, the rash. I never had a rash. So my whatever I had was viral. Like they were mm. very clear about that. So it was never a rash. It was always to do with the brain. And so anyways, um, he said, I just said, okay, cool. Should I get on a plane and go back to England? Because I'm in Jamaica. I don't know. I don't know the health service over here. Like, I don't know how this works. He said, yeah. if you get on that plane, you you will not survive whoa like just straight you know Jamaicans don't play did they say anything about like how you get it or what it is do you know do you know why what's also interesting is which I experienced there was another kind of batch of abuse I was going through from 15 to 21 and when I came out of that I wasn't sick I barely got a cold Mm. And I, I'm, I'm not a person who gets sick often anyway, but you see when I came out of that rela- out of that relationship and I was in a place of safety, yeah. it was like all, all of the, like my body just went through a lot. I had this and that and this, and it's like that as well. You know, your body just weakens. It's like yeah. the, the cortisol that you're releasing yeah. through, the, through the trauma. It's almost like the adrenaline and everything. It's like yeah. a kind of protective, uh-huh. yeah. you know. I believe that to be true. Mm. So um, I didn't go on the plane, obviously. I stayed in Jamaica and I think, I think I just must have gone home that night, fainted or whatever, but um, ended up in the hospital. And um, all I remember from the hospital is they were trying to get like a lumbar. So they, they do a lumbar puncture, which is when they get their fluid from your spine and they can see what's going on. And that's when they realized it wasn't meningitis, it was encephalitis. Um, and that's what I remember. I remember going in that day, them drawing the, doing the number puncture. And then I just remember waking up and having tubes everywhere. Like that's all I remember. And be- the, between that, the point A to point B was like seven days from what I understand. And you know what's crazy once again, being young. So I remember at this time in my life, I'm dancing, right? I'm a dancer. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dance for Beyonce, Britney Spears. That's my career. Like I'm ambitious. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And I was living in Birmingham at the time and I had found this, there's um, a dance company in London that I had found that I wanted to like shadow the, 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 the company's called Boy Blue and there's a guy who runs it called Kendrick. And I was very much so like, I want to shadow him because He's when he to this day that com- that dance company is still bangs like they're still sick right and I was like he's incredible I want to know how he does that so I reached out to him <laughs> I'm laughing because remember I just told you about the other story before we jumped on about the yeah interview. yeah yeah I was thinking you've had this from young <laughs> I Michelle was telling me just some bold move she does where she reaches out to like owners and CEOs and just sends them emails <laughs> and they get back to her always respond <laughs> that's the nice thing that always responds. Yeah. So he he was like, yeah, sure, come to London and you can shadow me for like two weeks and I'll teach you how to like run a dance company. I was already running the company, but like this is some guy in London who's killing it and winning awards. I was like, yeah. So when I woke up out of the coma, my first question was, what day is it? And when they told me, I was like, no, I've like, no, this isn't okay. Like I've just missed this. I'm supposed to be in London training with Kendrick. Like this man don't know me from nothing if I see him today in London he just you'd be doing oh you're right <laughs> we don't know each other like that yeah. but he he always says hello because I was the girl who called him when I got out of the coma and oh. it must have been a wild conversation for him like what in the world yeah. but yeah so that's how I knew like I had been out for long because I had missed the opportunity and I was really angry about that as well I was angry about the fact that like I wanted to dance number one I couldn't 
walk so there's no dancing happening that's not happening I miss this opportunity to build this connection with this person and run this dance company and whatever else I was really pissed I wasn't thinking about what you've just said about the fact that when you get I had two years of more of more or less no trauma right and my body had mm-hmm. relaxed to a place where everything had come up. and literally like and you then could, you go and be with your real dad who's connected with you and you're in Jamaica where you relaxed on a next level course it's gonna all come up there your body just collapsed or your brain isn't it your brain's where it all where a lot you know your brain is the one that helps you disassociate when you go through something as hard as you went through for you to be able to then go school the next day it's your brain that turns a part off that protects you as a child so that you can endure basically and so your brain was shattered Everything that you just said is what I've spent the last 20 years unpacking. And something that you just said, I've just realized in this moment was I know I was in Jamaica because actually I didn't even connect the dot that I was in my ancestral place. Mm, just home. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't until you just said, and you were with your dad, you know, your real yeah, dad. And I've, what I've always said was, if I was in the England, I don't think I would have made it. I And I believe that. And the reason why is because, you know, People like to gossip, right? People would have been coming hospital just to see me, just to kind of go back and tell friends. The all of that nasty kind of like um, frenemy energy would have been around me at that time, and I'm pretty convinced that would have taken me out because I believe in that kind of stuff, right? Oh, it's heavy. A hundred percent. I'm the kind of person where it's like, if someone is sick, if I'm ever sick, don't no one can come. Only I will give you a guest list of the people that can come. <laughs> I, I just I don't play like that. It's just not my thing. Yeah. So I know. What you mean. I think being in Jamaica and being out of that saved me. I think being in my ancestral home place saved me as well. So yeah. So that happened. I'm mindful of time. I feel like we've not even covered half of this, and we're just right at the beginning still. That happened. I had to learn how to walk again. I could not avoid I think that was coming out of that coma and coming back to England being physically made immobile and um weak weak I had lost I went down to like seven eight stone I've never been skinny that it's not skinny has never been my portion (laughs) (laughs) so skinny and I couldn't eat Um, it was horrible um I had to really just I was just sad for such a long time and I had to really sit with myself and be like I need to I, I think I had an understanding that I missed a really key point. When I missed a really key point, that's going to probably, I'm going to try and not spend half an hour talking through this because I know what I'm like. When I was in, when before the coma, I sat on the beach, like you said, and I, and I was thinking about everything that had happened to me. And it's just me and the sea and God and the trees and the sand and everything. And I'm sitting there and I said, we're done now like moved out physically I'm not in any more danger it's done and so we don't need to talk about it again I would just take it to my grave and in all of the naivety of my teenagers years, my teenage years God was like okay let's go <laughs> and the following week I was literally on my deathbed literally um and so in that whole process of me being in that coma I think there were like different stages of your brain shutting down in the coma or at mm. least there was for me personally I think I had an unresponsive state where I could I didn't recognize people or whatever this is what people have told me so or everything I'm saying now there's like a state where I'm relaying what was said to me because I don't remember this yeah I apparently confessed everything that had happened to me so to, I, to my dad 
And he doesn't, and you didn't remember doing that? No. Wow, look at God. <laughs> it's a lot, Penny. You were like, I'm taking this to the grave. Uh-huh. No, but it was like a week, like a week later, yeah. I was confessing everything. My dad had no idea. And then my, like, I, I feel for him now, because it's like, what that must that be like for him? But he, um, when I woke up out of the coma, he didn't say, obviously he didn't say anything straight away. Like, I remember I was on the main ward. So I'd made it out of the ICU. I'm back on the main ward. I'm chatting to people. He's like, he was like, you seem to be okay now. So we need to have a conversation. And I was like, what oh, happened? Man. And he just told me everything. He told me everything. And I was so shook because I couldn't believe that he knew. And I knew there was no way he would know because nobody knew, right? Unless Not one person. No one knew. So mm. he you told me and you told me all of uh, names. I gave him all of the evidence. Um, and yeah, that's how it all came out. That's literally how, like, I, I like, it's like, I think. What do you mean came out? Like, apart from telling him what happened then, did you have to tell other people or? There is no coincidence, that trip, oh, yeah. that, even that coma, because you what would not you, have told what, anyone. What did I say to you, Penny, before? I said, I've never questioned God a day in my life. Like, I yeah. can't call myself a Christian, but I've never questioned God a day. Yeah, and I, and I, people ruin, people, religion in general can ruin, you know, the authenticity and the love that people have for God. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and I mean, that's so common. <laughs> It's like the opposite. So I made a commitment. I said to God, I will take this to my grave. And within a week, I was at my deathbed confessing everything. Wow. And you don't remember. And I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything. They must have given you a truth. What's in them? Have you seen Meet the Parents when Robert De Niro is, that basically, he gives his son-in-law truth serum mm, and asks him questions. It's like, yeah. you got some of that at the hospital. Literally straight from God himself into my mouth so so yeah I think it was very clear to me I think when I had the like the brain space to process what had happened I think I understood at that time that I was very very um adamant and very sure about never saying anything and because of the state that I had been put into I knew that holding that would have made me more sick so I would not be sitting in front of you today had I had not confess all of that stuff the the coma the clarity I have now the way I'm able to articulate my life just even the fact that I have good mental health like I just wouldn't be this person I I know that I don't know if I'd even be here let's tell the honest to god truth like who knows so um yeah that's incredible (laughs) like we're here talking about how our body holds it and you were like divinely guided to let it go before you dropped into your coma fully so that you could heal in that coma. I'm just kidding. You just connected that. Do you know what I mean? You were, because you would never, and that would have, no matter how gracious God is, there is a physical component that has to take place. There is work we have to do Mm -hmm. on the journey too, which is why we're guided to certain things. And you would never have done that. And so your word had to release it, your your own mouth. You, Wow. Yeah. Not to rush on, but like, I know you've got a bunch of questions. I feel like the main reason why people listen to this podcast is to kind of find out how people learn to love themselves. And I feel like it's been, it's a really good foundation to kind of understand how hard it has been for me. Mm. So really, I really want to 
honing on the point that this happened when I was 18 and I'm 35 and I'm just getting to a point where I feel like I've got this I've Mm. processed the shit that I've been through I'm still I mean I've been in weekly therapy for the last year and a half talking about things like trying to really get to the root of how um the things I've experienced have impacted me in so many ways in my dating life in my relationships with um with friends to a certain extent relationships one thing that has really impacted that I don't know if people would naturally um connect is my relationships at work because <laughs> mm, it's authority yeah because I never had I never trusted authority growing up right and I also well, that guy as well was an authoritative authoritative figure in even your mum's life so if your mum's looking up to someone as authoritative and therefore allowing pain to happen then how are you going to see your own authority figures you know that is yeah. can I say this as well though because this this happened before the coma this is another quick story I'm gonna I need to get used to telling these stories quickly there's lots of moments where and also just 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 to say by the way I sent questions because I just wanted to make sure you were comfortable with things I was going to ask I don't have to go over every single one (laughs) yeah Yeah, feel free I think think this is an interesting story and it's something that I always think about um when I was 16 so this is me going to college on that first day registering to do my my b-tech or whatever right so I went to college and I wanted to do childcare b-tech but I had all my GCSEs which is wild knowing that I had experienced what I had experienced and I passed every single one like I sometimes I'm like I don't like I don't even know disassociated so the woman who was doing the um the registration she looked at my my GCSEs and she's like you've got all you've got all of these A to C's like you shouldn't do a BTEC, you should do A-levels. Now, I hadn't considered A-levels because I didn't want to do it then, right? And she gave me a list of A-levels. She goes, have a look. Have a tick some and come back. And so I'll tick dance because obviously we know I was obsessed with dance. <laughs> I picked English because I You were was already like... emailing Britney Spears by this point. <laughs> <laughs> I had an email address for Britney in the early 2000s. She would have gotten an email from me. But yeah. I picked English because I could do English. English has always been easy for me. And then I had um, I had a third one that I needed to pick and I couldn't I couldn't choose. And I went back to the lady and I said to her, okay, because I didn't want to do science or maths, like that's just not who I am. So I was like, we've got psychology and sociology. I'm not really sure about them. Can you tell me what they are? And she said, psychology is the study of the mind and sociology is the study of people. Now, remember, I've just come out of a cult, right? been told that you're not allowed to trust your mind to so psychology that's giving me the, the shits internally like I'm not I can't do that like God's gonna hate me if I do that I'll go to hell like you're not supposed to know about your mind like what the hell so I chose sociology Mm-mm. and that changed my life because and I can tell you the modules I couldn't tell you what I ate for breakfast this morning but I can tell you <laughs> what the modules were on that A level we had um math media education family religion um, and we study these obviously over terms. When when I studied religion, when we went into religion, I sat in that class and I was like, "This is literally everything I've experienced in my house." Because we, you, they break down cults and how cults are like created. And me sitting in those classes, understanding how media is formed, how family relationships are formed, like everything, I was just like, I just feel like in that moment is when I realized what I had experienced. 
understanding completing that sociology a level and then after that I went so after that I was very clear because after that's when the coma happened but I just I think that's important because I was so sure about doing the childcare BTEC and if it wasn't for that woman intercepting and saying no do some a levels I wouldn't have the clarity about how cults are formed the fact that I even know the term charismatic leader is because of my a-level sociology and I understand like people like not that they're bad people but people like um Barack Obama is incredible because he's charismatic like we know that like he can talk and people listen in a in a negative way um Donald Trump is also charismatic you know mm-hmm. there's a thing there's a personality thing that comes with being a leader and in all honesty I'm very much so a leader, but I have been so scared to step into leadership because I know I have charisma. It's frightened me because I was raised in a cult and because I know that when I open my mouth, people listen. And that scares me because I just never want to be, I don't think I never would become a person who gets obsessed with power, but like I wasn't boundaried enough to be able to kind of speak on a public platform people would reach out to me, tell me their life stories and whatever else. And you want to help and save everyone. And it's just, it was just all too frightening for me, like this power mm. that I had. Um, and, and having the understanding of cult leaders and how they are formed, um, it, it just frightened me on a deeper level. So, yeah. <laughs> mm, thank you. No, thank you for sharing that. You touched on therapy a bit. Um, and some yeah. you've been in therapy for the past year and a half, yeah. um, which is, so you were like 32, 33 when you decided to go that route, which is a massive, massive act of self-love, yeah. actually investing in yourself because therapy isn't always free yes. um, and committing to that as well, which, you know, there, there are so many barriers that we put up around yeah therapy um and and just around sharing and the fear of being judged and everything else but how do you feel because because it's only been a couple of years so how do you feel your life or your healing journey would look right now if you hadn't like what what do you feel like the main things you've got from therapy are I think first of all choose your therapist like get the right one for you because I think that impacts the answer to this question a lot if you have the wrong one it you don't make progress really at all um I think for me I had done so much work so in the I'll, I'll answer I'll tell you like I feel like we're missing a big chunk of like my life so I've kind of taken everybody up until like 19 but in between the ages of like 20 and like 33 um I have done therapy but just like little stints here and there maybe like a few months six months here and there um, I've done healing retreats. I've done a whole grief retreat where we had to go and, and like grieve what had happened to us. I've done silent retreats. I've done so many different forms of like healing modalities to try and tap into this stuff. I've read. You've been like, on the journey. <laughs> on the journey. I've read all of the books. Um, I've listened to everything, every podcast Brene Brown has ever done. Like I've been in it, like really trying to process my own stuff. So I think um this time this therapist I was able to be very clear about um what my needs were and I self-diagnosed but I think you've had had therapy before this yeah 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 okay lots of therapy I've 
I've had breakdowns where I've had emergency therapy and had to go to the doctors and get it like stat like now and yeah. they've been able to give me like four or five sessions but I've been having a break this is like 10 years of breakdowns and yeah but they're not having the money to see because I I knew that you'd had therapy the last couple years I didn't know that you'd also had therapy before so yeah in general then yeah I've tapped in a lot from the very beginning um Mm. I would say I can talk about now though because I feel like my therapist now and the journey of mine now in therapy is different to the journey I've been on before in therapy Mm. sometimes because of therapy sometimes because um they weren't the right person and and lots of different things I think now what I'm able to what my therapist helps me with a lot and what I feel is so different to who I was before is everything that I experienced as a child has really impacted the way how I love myself relate to myself view myself um and I think a lot of the therapy that I'm going through now is reparenting but like really slowly Mm. repenting and I'm learning how to see myself through the lens that other people see me through (laughs) like you for example that incredible um intro you gave me it's like oh like I don't think about having conversations with people and what they walk away with I just like talking to you right and so if you're saying Mm. I always walk away and have this I'm like I'm I think I'm at a stage now where I've had so much of that coming at me all of the time people saying this about me and that about me and I'm and for the first time my therapist is helping me to actually have some of that stick and not wash off like it could just be anybody else yeah right um and that's really important because I think about who I would be if I didn't have the experiences that I had if I had that parent that mom who was very much so gassed gassed me up and had me doing the little dance routines here and there and like <laughs> feel like a pretty little girl and all. who would I be I don't mm. like I genuinely think I'd be Beyonce I don't think Beyonce would be on <laughs> right now I think it would be me like when we have children if we have them like we are in such service to those people um to those children we should be setting the foundation for them to be adults in the world that's going to tear them apart right and we know this we're adults we know that we're fighting for our lives on a daily basis if it's not our mortgage it's like our rent it's our relationships at work it's stress it's it's health issues like there's so many things that pull away us every single day it's image body image it's um messaging we get from the media it's all of that right you have a, a job as a parent to really build that up. And so I think I'm definitely doing, in the last two years, I've been able to kind of start, like to put that into myself. And it's really helped me with my confidence when it comes to um, believing that I have not just the, the skills and the tools to do it, that I also have like a divine gift as well that I should be sharing. Um, I'm still working through this now, but there's, when you go through what you've when you go through anything really traumatic especially in childhood and especially if it's inflicted by your parents um we learn how to be invisible because 
being seen isn't helpful for your parent or for yourself right Mm. nobody wants to see you and if you are seen it's a problem so we learn how to not be seen and so when you're an adult and you and you're you're you want to be seen at work and get a promotion or you want to be posting content online or whatever it is we then have to battle with learning how to be seen um is that what I'm trying to say? Learning, I suppose, yeah, being open to being perceived, right? Because it's judgment and it's shame and whatever else. There's so many people that are able to do that and know that they have a foundation of their family that can catch them if anything happens. But there's, there's a lot of us out here that are just by ourselves. And if shit hits the yeah. fan, it's just me. <laughs> so there's a there's a whole thing around perception and being seen and lack and judgment and shame and all of that that I'm also working through. And trying to find my space in that I'm not saying I want to be a social media person because I really don't think I do but I'm very aware of how frightened I have been over the years of being seen mm. there's so many reasons for that we could um, yeah. right and that's something that I'm starting to not care so much about good yeah totally understandable as well why but like you said, if we go into that, we might, we, we could easily have part one, two and three, even with just the questions that I sent. I wondered if I should have maybe um, done a part one <laughs> and followed on. But no, I think I want everyone to get a good, a good binge. Listen to the whole thing. Pause it if you have to and come back later. <laughs> but um, I wanted to change the subject quickly. I want to change subject and talk about something else that um, I have loved seeing you share. So you shared it on TikTok. I don't know if you shared it on Instagram. If you did, I didn't see it on there. But um, you were talking quite openly. And this is actually a good follow on, actually, because you were talking about being perceived and received and seen and out there in different ways and um and I thought this was amazingly brave what you did because me and you had a conversation when you came out here to America and we spoke about dating and we spoke about your future husband and stuff like that not long after that you started sharing some of your dating journey you were on dating app and sharing the journey online which I thought was just I just want to hear more. I wanted to hear um, how that went and your thoughts on stepping so boldly and yeah. into the dating world. And yeah, are you still looking for love? Talk to me about it. So yeah, I stopped sharing because, well, first of all, I'm just inconsistent on social media. Sometimes it's not much of a reason apart from the fact that I just can't be yeah. asked. <laughs> um, the series ended because you're just going to be bothered. <laughs> I'm not a consistent social media person. Um, but that was interesting. So, okay, on my learning to love, right, I really want to make this helpful for the listeners. In my journey of dating up until now, wild, right? Emotion, not necessarily physically abusive, but emotionally abusive, 100%. I've been in situationships that have lasted far too long. I'm not the right, I'm not the only person. And I've I've been in relationships with men who are emotionally unavailable and incapable of seeing me for me they love my light they love me and my energy um they they don't want to invest in themselves 
it's weird it's kind of like they like being around it but they're not trying to it's almost like it's scary at the same time I don't even know how to even articulate that they love it but they're frightened right and as a younger person I would be like oh it's all right he just isn't you know what we tell ourselves you you can change him you love him through it and then they love you in the end and it's not a thing right let's just stop it nip it in the butt girls it's not gonna happen right so Um, and so I say that to say my last situationship was in 2018 and it lasted for about, yeah, it ended in 2018, I think, but it even lingered after that, to be quite honest with you, it lasted for a very long time, at least two years. Um, and that broke me in so many ways, um, because I had to be honest with myself about the fact that like I was genuinely just wanting a connection so badly that I just latched onto this walkless person and just like yeah made that person my person and he really wasn't so that's important because of the the the, the TikTok that I uploaded so um so I recently put myself back on the dating apps and you know speaking to men meeting them and I had met this man who um was training to be a therapist right and I didn't think that was a red flag at the time. I was like, oh, that's great. He can talk I about didn't. It. What do you mean red? I thought that was just the greenest of green. Like, let me tell you how it became a red flag. This is this is the power of discernment. This is where I'm currently at, right? So I was like, oh, no, this is great. He can talk about stuff. He's studying, like, we can talk about books, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah. So the first, first red flag that I ignored was uh, we had, like, very incredible chats on that. Um I was like, we're talking for a good week and it's great. Why isn't he asking me out? Like, what's going on? So I had initiated, like, do you want to meet up in person? Because, like, you know, I have to stop getting into my masculine energy. I really don't want to ever have to do that. I really, that's a thing for me. But I did it because I was like, what's going on? I should have noted at that moment that he just wasn't that interested. So there's that. So I initiated it. We went, we went, we went um, golf. We went to the golfing place. And when we got there, the first thing that he said, and, I, and I'm telling everybody everything because I think the stories have all of the lessons and you have to say it all, right? <laughs> um, when we got to the first time meeting him, he's just come back from a university lecture. Remember, he's studying his MA to be a therapist. And yeah. the first thing he said to me, I'm like, how was your lesson today? Because you know me, I'm an inquisitive person and I genuinely care. How was it? What did you learn today? Genuinely, like, it's not small talk. He said, oh, it was really good. We were learning about, you know, LGBTQ um, people in their lives. And our lecturer came out and told us that he was gay. And I was like, wow, that, that sounds like a lot. Like, you know, you were in a class. Your lecture is coming out to you. You're learning about the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. Like, I would love to be there. That's my kind of lesson, right? I said, how did you find it? He was just like, oh, it was just a bit gay for me. And it was in that moment where I was like, red flag. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm here. Let me let me, let me me say what and let me not hold back. So part of my own personal journey is allowing my voice to be heard. Yeah. Uh, so I said to him do you think that there is a possibility as a straight man that you're used to being centered in experiences like your experience as a straight man is the um primary experience and that you're never made to feel uncomfortable and do you think that it would be um, okay to be uncomfortable for two hours <laughs> and he was like yeah actually I hear what you're saying and I think his response and the fact that he didn't fight me on it made me think oh maybe he is someone who can learn and be mature 
Yeah. So I thought, okay, but also like his, yeah, I should have known from then because it's like if you felt comfortable enough to be homophobic off the bat, first thing you're saying for me that that's wild. Also, it's wild because you're being you're you're studying to be a therapist, right? And so who, how are you going to work with people from every single walk of life if that's how you feel and think about things? Um, and so over time, so the thing that I shared on TikTok was the fact that he was very, um, he was busy. And one of my non-negotiables and one of the things that I've learned via therapy is that I need quality time. I need someone who is willing to give me their time because that's, I just need that. That's one of my things. Um, and so I shared that with him and I was very firm about the fact that it was a non-negotiable. So what he did is he said, okay, these are the times that I can give to you. Like, these are the days and the times of the day. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, this is really good. Like he's telling me that like, that was a green flag. Yeah. So he shared that with me. I then shared that on TikTok because I was like, wow. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we went and started hanging out on those days and times. Um, and then after about three weeks, he said, I am so, and there's other things that had happened in between time that we don't need to go into. He was like, this is the end for me. But he said, oh, I'm just so happy that we were able to kind of hang out as much as we have been able to, because my life's really busy normally, and it's about to get really busy. And I'm like, even busier. And I was like, no, you are busy now. (laughs) Like, and that's why we had this whole conversation. But what he was doing, he was about to start um, retracting his energy from me. Mm. And... In my healing, I heard him like with my good ears. Yeah. And I said, it's all right, actually. If, if you're not free, um, then maybe this isn't something that we should be doing. And what I haven't said is in between time, he was the person that was talking about the future and kids and marriages, all very, all very love bummy, right? Yeah. But what I realized in hindsight, like weeks and weeks and weeks after, with certain things that he had shared about himself with me, is that he was the good kid he was the kid all of his siblings are a little bit way wayward and he was the good kid and I think what he's done he's, he's created this identity for himself where he is the one who counsels people who you know maintains the status quo he's never smoked weed he's this is that and I think becoming a therapist is furthering that image of him for himself but also for other people I don't think there's any further deeper inquiry that took place with him I don't think He's leaning into being a therapist. I think it's just very much so like, this is who I am. It's the personality that I'm stepping into. So mm. my, my level of discernment has come from my level of healing and paying yeah. attention and really sitting with myself and being like, what is this? Because like I said, on the outside, dating a therapist sounds like a great thing to do, especially for someone like me who likes to talk and is curious. But when you really, when I was able to really hear what he was saying, like I said, with my good ears, <laughs> I was able to hear that he was full of shit respectfully a nice person yeah. but you know there was some I I've just engaged in a level of work for myself yeah and not engage with somebody who isn't willing to do that a, a similar level of deeper inquiry for themselves there's yeah. a quote that I live by and it's um you can only meet people as deeply as they've met themselves mm. I live yeah. by that and you literally yeah. can't if they're not willing to go there with themselves you can't go there with them are you still looking for love are you still on the apps I'm still I'm on the apps I've been talking to people you know they're giving me minimal energy as they do they uh, dating is very very um very surface level like yeah. and I find it difficult but I believe <laughs> that there is someone out there for me 
um I, I give you guys a little bit of a joke you know the patent app it's like an astrology you know the patent it's like an astrology app patent the pattern yeah the pattern is an app oh, where I think I've heard of it yeah it and it tells you like what you're going through so it's all astrology based right and so they've just added <laughs> I'm saying this we'll see if anything comes of it it won't but they just added like a dating component to the app so they match you based off your like astro- astrological compatibility and so it breaks it down into different categories. It'll tell you if you're going to have a complex relationship with that person, a meaningful relationship, a powerful relationship, or if that's your soulmate. And so today I matched with my soulmate. <laughs> and I'm laughing because he hasn't said anything to me. And I'm like, if you're my soulmate, surely you should know that you have oh, to. Wait, so, they, so they alert you and they alert the person. Yeah, so when your profile comes up, it will tell you if you have a meaningful connection, a powerful connection, a soulmate connection. You have to sign up for the, like, dating side of it, or? No, it's free. I mean, if you've got the pattern, you just need to go onto the dating bit, yeah. Oh, it just actually comes up, wow. So I thought, oh, I mean, the thing is, I would never normally talk to this person in, like, my day-to-day, like, he doesn't, he's not my type, but since it said soulmate, I said... You have a type then, because who knows who's listening right now? Penny, you're putting me on the spot. Do, I have, Do you a have a type on paper? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. No, you can say it. you have a type, you know, but someone can come along and show you that you don't. That's it. That's what I'm open to. I have a type. The type is the type is available, <laughs> emotionally available. Yeah. <laughs> If anyone's listening to this and you can hear the way how I'm talking, I need to talk to people. Like my brain's always ticking over. So the the, the type is. Can we have a conversation? Can you keep my yeah. mind over? Can you keep up? <laughs> I weren't going to try and hit the high note bit, but I did leave it to you. <laughs> so I could probably talk about the date inside with you for ages. And I think um, it will be nice at some point to get you back on when things have uh, evolved over there. So if you're open, I'd love to. <laughs> open, 100%. You know, and yeah. I love it people willing it in. So if we're talking about coming back when I've got a man. Yeah, I'm- yeah, soon, this year. We want to talk about how you met him. Um, <laughs> if he was listening to this podcast, he has to be honest about that. And, you know, if he is training to be a therapist, we're not against you for that. But just know she's got the gift of discernment. So don't come with none of that madness. That <laughs> Um, but another, another radical act of self-love that you have um, taken yourself through. Um, and this is different. So we've, we've, you know, we've spoken about, and this is, again, as I say in my introduction, one of the, you know, the, the reasons that I wanted you to be on this podcast is because you just being you and living how you live and doing what you do. And, you know, I learned this early on in our friendship is there's a lot of learning how to love going on learning how to love yourself back to life (laughs) after going through stuff that can kill you it's including the the physical illness you went through as a result I believe it's as a result to be fair um but and then there's learning to love like learning to be loved learning to open yourself up to the internet and meeting people and saying do you know what I'm lovable I've got things that I want I'm not gonna take your drips and drabs there there's some radical acts of self-love um especially you know recovering from 
drawn out situationships that's traumatic <laughs> that is a trauma in itself um, I'm not just trying to like you know dramatize everything but just given given a little overview and now another area and these and these are important because these are all areas why I started this podcast you know childhood trauma um mm-hmm. you know relationships and and going through abusive relationships myself where the ability to love and be loved was uncanny I couldn't it was just wild to me and then also struggling a lot with self-image and I experienced um a lot of struggle around eating disorders and self-image and stuff like that um and and I've really had a very difficult up and down journey with learning how to love myself physically and learning how to actually you know the the self-acceptance that comes with that it's and and it's not something that I talk about a lot or I'm ready to talk about a lot because I'm still realizing things I still hear myself think things and I still have to remind myself of things but you inspired me massively um with your boob boob reduction Mm. um which was something that you did to have that new level of love with and for yourself Yeah. And I think that, I think that's just, yeah, that I, I would love for you to talk about that rather than me sharing my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, we, we met for the first time in New York. So you saw how big they were in real life in 4K, as we say. Um, so <laughs> I, I had just big boobs from the jump. Like I've always had bras from MS as far as I've been, had boobs, right? Um, and I've always hated them and they always Wait, why do we say MS? Is that because they do oh, bigger sizes? Yeah, MS, they do the sizes that MS and like Debenhams, like the the what do you call them? Um department stores. Yeah. You can always get the G plus there. The okay. D plus. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, uh, do you remember Tammy Girl? Yes. Yeah. When That's everyone was going to Tammy Girl in the CNA. <laughs> Do you I, remember CNA? Yeah, I used to love CNA. I really they had one, they had one in in Lisbon. You know, when I was there last year, when I saw it, I was like, oh wow! I've just seen the logo flash up in my mind there. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> when kids, when girls were getting their boobs come in and they were getting their little training bras, I was going straight. Literally, like you know how boys get that growth spurt over the six weeks holidays, they come back, they're like six foot. You're like, where the hell? That was me, but for boobs. And so I went, yeah, I went straight to Marks and Spencer's. Um, and I think I was like a D cut from the very beginning, from like 11, like really, really young. Um, probably yeah, the size that I am right now, but like when I was 11. So Anyway, hated them from then, hated all of the attention that came with that, because outside of the abuse that was happening in my house, I I still was getting, like, you know, the, the disgusting comments from older men, like, in the park. Mm. Yeah, the disgusting things that they do. And then they grew and they grew and they grew, and they just, it was just, they would make, I love clothes, I love fashion, and they would just make me feel frumpy, because they were so big. Um, and also make me look bigger than I actually was. There's a lot of people that think that I've lost weight and I absolutely haven't, but my boobs are just way smaller than they were before. Um, so anyways, over, the, there's, a, there's a couple of things there. I think everything stems from childhood, like you correctly said, and um, the mindset that you have when you grow up and me being in a strictly religious, you're, everything is you're going to hell. Like the, I was raised in an environment where everything was sending you to hell, right? So I was in this 
perpetual fear of being hellbound. And one of those things was like, you know, altering your body. Like this is the body that God gave you. Why would you alter your body? And I, it took me, I did it last year. I did it in December and it just took me that long for me to be like, I am not happy in this because it's physically causing me pain and, and I shouldn't have to live through this because God gave me big boobs. Like I, I have to, I don't think people realize that even when you walk away from religion or anything, anything traumatic, if you've experienced it for such a long time where it's in your brain, there's a, there's a real unlearning process that you have to go through. And there are things that I naturally still do that are very um, reminiscent of my days growing up in this cult, like physical things that I would do that I don't need to do anymore. My body just hasn't let it go yet. And my brain hasn't let it go yet. Do you know what I mean? So like that still happens and I still have to catch myself out and, you know, tell myself I don't well, it's do- also the deciding what was a lie and what was the truth it's when yeah. you're young it just it's that you, you don't know the difference between two especially when your primary single parent caregiver is included yeah all of that um so yeah I just got to a point where I was really upset and I really just thought about the life that I wanted to live and the way how I wanted to feel in my body and the fact that I wanted to be able to I ran for a bus yesterday after Jill Scott when I was coming home I ran for the bus and I was out of breath because I'm unfit but it wasn't because my boobs were weighing me down as I was running I I ran for the bus because it was like quarter to 12 and I really didn't want to walk I just didn't want to and I knew I was gonna have to wait half an hour for the next one only you don't run for anything in London so that was the reason why I ran um but because I don't run because I have spent years not running because my boobs have been so big I didn't think I could run so that was a whole moment yesterday I was like oh you could actually probably be someone who runs like that's a new thing like a new thing I could do now so anyways um I did the breast reduction because I finally got to a place where I was like, I just want to live a life where I'm active. Physically, I can move. Um, I'm not in pain. I wouldn't be able to, I never used to be able to stand up and cook anything for longer than half an hour because my back would hurt me so much. I would have to sit down. Um, like the worst pain. Um, my back doesn't hurt. I can make, I can stand up for a good hour now and I'm not in pain. I'm old, so I still need to sit down, but I'm not, in, not, the <laughs> I'm not in the pain I used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Um, and I just wanted, I just wanted to, there's a life that I'm able to see now that I wasn't able to see before. There's, there's a way that. What does I, it look like? Tell us. It looks like me being fit and healthy. It looks like me being very, very happy in the sense of like genuinely so happy. Like I'm that person that I want to, when some, when I see people, like I want them to feel the happiness in my eyes, you know, mm-hmm. we always know when someone is, I mean, I always know at least when you embrace somebody and it's not a hundred percent and yeah. you know, there's some stuff going on and we all carry an element of that to a certain degree but I just think I've experienced so much trauma and pain that I I see the next phase of my life being genuine happiness and I think Mm. because I've experienced um and joy I should say um actually joy is a better word because happiness we know happens like every now and then right and joy is a consistent state state. yeah yeah and I think um because I've experienced so much pain I know that that doesn't last like I know pain doesn't last because I've had the first half of my life riddle with it but I know that if I can have 
joy that's constant whenever I experience pain I know joy is coming back like that's how I want to live so physically that looks like good health it looks like eating well it looks like going to the gym it looks like taking care like I didn't have a mom that taught me anything about self-care like at all like what is skincare I'm on TikTok all everyone's talking about their skincare routine I've been using shower gel on my face for a very long time I don't anymore because now I'm like okay let me go to body shop and get a little product but I never knew about any of that stuff like and I don't know like I'm really learning about all of the things that I feel like all of the other girls just know like I'm I'm starting to figure out for myself and I would love to get to a point where I have my staple woman things like my perfume scent or my lip color mm. my hairstyle like all of that stuff so yeah um my breast reduction was a part of that because one thing I've always said and I don't feel like I might have said this to you in New York is that if I was to ever get married one thing over the man over everything else I never wanted to be a bride that had humongous boobs yeah because I just felt like I would be so sad on the day because mm. I thought that my my dress that you know I'm not really a fan of wedding dresses by the way I don't, I don't really think that that's just a segue I don't <laughs> like anyway. so for me to not like the dress to find something that I like for it, it to not look nice because my boobs are yeah. massive it, I would I know I'd have a deep sadness there so knowing that I don't have that anymore just makes me think about the life that I there's so much that I can like essentially um experience in my life. like so, a chain is broken a chain is broken literally literally um and also I think on a final point I think for all of the stuff that my mom is all of her mental health issues she also has really big boobs and she's part of the she has a mentality that you just you deal with what you have like you don't make any changes like this is it these like I said you don't make yeah yeah. and so I think there's a bit of a there's an act of difference there's like a point where I'm saying actually no you can change things and that's okay like we're, we're here to make better choices for ourselves literally we are born and we meet each other <laughs> and we form relationships and we decide our life is about deciding how we want to live in our best and highest form and we make mm-hmm. those choices and we work towards those things you have certain people that come and decide that what they're given is what it is and they stay there and mm. I think by making a choice to have my breast reduction is is almost like a, a direct um message to like all of the women who have been traumatized behind me not just my mom I'm sure she's been for her own stuff to say actually you do get to make a choice and you do get to stand up for yourself and say what you want and we're not supposed to just accept things so yeah, yeah I hope that answers your question yeah it does thank you and what do you wish you knew at the beginning of your healing journey that you now know so you've shared that you've been to retreats you've done all different kinds of therapy you've read books you've done yoga you've done loads what do you wish you knew right at the beginning when you knew that you had to start searching and seeking and and you know freeing yourself what do you wish you knew then that you know now I wish I knew that you had to process things. I I think before when I was doing yoga and everything that I was doing, I was like, I'm just doing this thing because it feels good right now. Like I didn't know that there was a a process of processing of like Mm. really 
like allowing time to be the healer like they say like I was always happy to show up and do the modality whatever it was but I never knew um that it would take so long (laughs) for everything to kick into gear and I think cumulatively cumulatively over time all of the different things have given me insight and, and lessons but I think um I never knew that and I think because I didn't know that I was anxious and I was angry and I was like why like why is this not happening like I'm doing all these things like why 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 and I think I had engaged in so much I understood about healing from a very intellectual point of view like I'm that person who intellectualizes like all of this like the therapy talk like I know it all like I've read all the books so but what I didn't do was process this like I wasn't in it like I wasn't actually putting my body through it and there's still a way to go in that for me there's I'm like I think the next stage for me is definitely body work and breath work and all of that stuff um I think I'm finally getting to a space now where it's safe for me to do so what love token in word form would you give to your younger self your I don't know you pick an age 14 but what do you mean by love token like how would you offer a word of love or encouragement so how would you love on your 14 year old self right now if the only thing you could do was speak to her okay okay now I understand I would say so my 14 year old self was in the thick of everything in year nine I would say to her don't worry about anything I know that's like I wouldn't go into detail about how hard things are gonna get because <laughs> like but I would tell her I probably would say that things might get a little bit more difficult but you're going to be fine stick it stick to it like remember who you are and you're going to be amazing she needed to hear I think she just needed to have someone see her and say yeah and to let her know that it's going to pass yeah it's going to pass because when you're that young I was saying to my nephew the other day I was like when you're a child like you don't have you haven't experienced that many years uh, we know a year you blink and it's over right when you're 14 you don't know that <laughs> yeah exactly you had that memory so everything takes so long and it's like like yeah like life speeds up because you just have so much of it and you'll be fine is what I would say yeah thank you I think that's going to speak to many people where they're at now because <laughs> a lot of people are you know we still go through things but I think that's a very apt word Thank you. And just before we go, what are you up to at the moment? And how can people connect with you? And what's next for Healing Isn't Linear? So, yeah, so I am, what I'm up to at the moment is Healing Isn't Linear. I'm building up that community. um, And I'm taking my time with it. Like I've given myself the next six months, it really does like test a lot of my ideas and my prior learnings and kind of see how this community is formed. Um, or needs to be formed um to get in touch with me um instagram healing is at linear club or i am rishaw robertson i'm not sure if you're going to tag that in the notes i will i'll tag them in the notes yeah uh, but yeah like what i'm currently doing and i haven't said this at all but right now like obviously i have a nine to five i'm also studying for my like senior leadership masters 
amazing because I talk about leadership and the fact that I wanted no parts and look at me <laughs> but I'm doing that and I'm finding that absolutely fascinating I love it and I'm also building this healing is a linear thing so I think if I'm predicting my own life I think in the next um, two to three years I think are going to be incredible for me because I'm going to be able to love like, that much learning that I'm taking from the past 15 years this incubator period that I'm in and building this community I genuinely believe that it's um it's a sole purpose of mine all of my life lessons have led to this moment like I am the Mm. person of this space cultivate this space grow this space run a business and I'm just I think the world needs spaces that are authentic like I've been doing my research on um just communities that exist online and a lot of them are they look incredible um but I'm noticing there's a thread between um of of communities that are based on work who are we <laughs> like who yeah. are we outside of our jobs and what we do and why are we not having spaces for those conversations like you know it's all well and good having a bunch of people that can hook you up in your next gig but who can sit with you when you're having a breakdown in your house and make some tea you know mm, yeah or not having a breakdown you just want to watch love island together and you've got a bunch of friends coming around that you can actually talk to about real stuff right i want to be able to be the person who um supports people to form meaningful relationships and get between beneath the surface and will within the six months that you're experimenting with things Will people be able to come to more dinners and get to actually participate? It's a great question because I haven't actually said what we do. So yeah, it's a combination of online and in real life events. So what I would say our hero event are our dinners and where we, the theme dinners, we talk about a topic, we get into it. um, Whether it's like our first dinner was all about uh, what is discipline? How does discipline show up for us? How did we learn discipline? Does it still make sense for who we are today? Blah, blah, blah. There's lots of different topics that we will talk about. Um, I'm, if this is all London-based, all of the in-real life stuff at the moment is London-based. The dream and desire is it for, it to, it for it to be global. I would love to be able to pull up and do a dinner in New York, for example. That would be great. But um, what we uh, what we also do are community hangouts where it's just literally a social event. Come hang out. There'll be friends that you can meet there. There's like lots of um, activities that you can do. Um, but I also am leaning towards doing some masterclasses online as well. We also want to do like movement things. I haven't said this, but our, our pillars are community, joy, rest and movement, because I believe those are things that are pivotal to any healing journey. We need to move the trauma out of our bodies. Yep. We need to play like children because we can be serious and talk about all of the deep things. We need to rest because capitalism is killing us (laughs) (laughs) basically um but also when you're traumatized you like to I we just keep going don't we like I'm literally recovering from burnout right now because of the fact that I'm so used to just being on the go 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 so rest is a pillar and then community is a pillar because we need to be in community to heal which is my belief so all of the events that we do fall under one of those pillars movement will be yoga classes gym classes you know um rest would be sound baths meditation that type of thing um play is obviously going to be play hanging out fun stuff 
So there's lots of different types of events. I'm spending the next six months, like like I said, building that and figuring out what those what those events actually are. So if you are a a woman, a woman of color, a non-binary person, or an ally, if you're not a woman of color, allyship is important. The primary um, function of this space is that it's a safe space, and so people need to be able to be their full selves in the space, right? And if we are, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a black woman, so for me, like my whole identity is always up for discussion when it comes to healing because everything plays into a part of who I am and what we need to like we've not spoken about race or anything like that here but all of it impacts the way how we are experiencing the world and so if we have when we have events it's important to me that um that people are able to explore their entire identity in safe spaces which is why I say allies can come because allies are people that are able to listen <laughs> um, and not be offended and not make people feel awkward about their lived experiences. So allies, I'm, I'm absolutely here for the diversity of the group. At the moment, it's women because I, I'm a woman and I want to start in a safe space. I do mm. think the events where we can incorporate men, but for right now, we just need to form this for ourselves. Um, but yeah, man, he, that, that's what Healing is a Linear is. Um, find us on Instagram. And just keep up to date there. Like we're a small little choo-choo train figuring ourselves out. Um, but I see us in 2024 being able to do some hopefully bigger activations. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for creating that space for one, because yeah, I think just everything you've spoken about so openly today has been a massive blessing. But also I do think, you know, there are going to be those moments for some people where they realize you know what I need to I need to check in on some of the stuff I need to maybe start to address some things and it's I speak about it a lot as well about the the points where I knew I had to stop hiding and and covering up my trauma and stuff and so the fact that you've done that you've you've opened up the different ways you've opened up about the different ways you did that but also you've given a landing spot with healing isn't linear and yeah. people being able to have that it's like you don't have to go and just do all this on your own it's a, you know they can just reach straight out so thank you thank you and I definitely definitely um want to have you on again I want to hear about who he is when he comes into your vicinity <laughs> and how you learn to let that love in <laughs> yeah because that's going to be a whole thing right there yeah. that's oh. going to be a whole thing let's be I ready. know I've been there <laughs> I know <laughs> but it'll be nice to have that conversation with you so again thank you and um yeah I'd say thank you as well for creating this space and this conversation because this is all this is all like healing isn't in here like we have to be able to tap in in these moments and and reflect you're great at asking these questions and being able to connect dots for people like myself because like when you're in the story and you tell the story it's hard for you to always also connect dots at the same time right mm. so thank you for I this. have to stop myself I have to stop myself Penny stop analyzing <laughs> stop connecting it up stop telling them what they already know literally and I'm like no do you know what why not <laughs> so thank you thank you for inviting thank me thank you thank you it's been a pleasure proper pleasure so yeah enjoy the rest of your night where you are and um yeah I look forward to seeing you soon bye bye